Morning, everybody. Happy 2019. Welcome to all those joining us online as well. Welcome to the first Sunday of the new year. Any Colts fans in the house today? Come on, Colts fans. It's a great late night plane ride. It's always a better late night plane ride when you win. And I've often been asked the question, well, how are you praying differently, Chaplain Eric? How are you playing differently than praying when you were one and five? And how are you praying now when you're 11 and six? And I've been telling folks, not praying any different at all. Well, the chapel messages must be exceptionally different then. The second half of the season, no, it's just, uh, it's been a great ride. Is it not a good window into real life? Isn't real life stretches when it's one in five, right? Some of you come into 2019, it's one in five. But then there are also stretches where one in five can become 11 and six. And some of you are living that out, personally, professionally, family-wise, health-wise, right? We're all going through something. And so for about six weeks now, I have been just... I've just been so ready for 2019 and this particular message series that we're starting today. So ready that I had to get myself like centered down on Christmas. Like I'm like, oh, I, that's right, Christmas is here. I gotta, I gotta stay anchored in Christmas. I gotta be where my feet are in Christmas. But I've been, tell, I've been ready for a month and a half to launch us into what I feel like the Lord put on my heart a couple of months ago around the theme of battle. And here's the premise for the series. Every single person we lock eyes with is going through some great battle. Everybody. That could be spiritual, could be physical, could be emotional, could be relational, could be vocational, right? It could, it could go the spectrum from anger and anxiety and abuse and addiction and depression and grief and loss. You name it. Everybody's going through something. Some great battle. But here's the deal. No matter how big our battle, it is not bigger than Jesus. It is not. And we're going to spend the whole month anchoring ourselves right there. So whatever you walked into 2019 with, you might be staring down the face of a mountain so large that you can't imagine ever being able to scale it. You might be looking at something, you just go, I don't see any way I'm going to get through what I'm going through. This month, we're going to ask God to do a work, to lift our eyes up from our battles and say, Lord, no matter how big that battle, it is not bigger than you. How many of you remember August 2017 and the dialogue going on in our culture about a certain event that was being projected was going to occur, right, in the latter part of August 2017? Here are some of the scenes, right? Take a look, right? Do you remember? It's called the Great American Eclipse. Do you remember that day? Do you remember where you were on that day? Some of you, like, you remember because school, like students, school let you out for a period of time to go stand outside, right? And some of your workplaces let you out. August 21st, 2017, right? The sun, which I'm not quite sure what these folks are doing in relation to the sun, but the sun is an amazing effect on our lives, Right? The sun is 93 million miles away. It burns at 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It takes eight minutes to go 
from where it, right there to your skin. Back to the other slide, please. So the, the sun, right, has this effect on people's lives where it just, you just gather out and right, they're just, they're gathering out waiting for something to happen right there. And then a little bit later on in the day, there should be another slide, right, of all the people gathered on the lawn or something kind of looking up. Is there another slide with that? Yeah, they're all, right, you remember the big crowds of people, right? We all slid on, right, sometime in the afternoon. It started there in Oregon and moved across, right? The great American eclipse, right? You had to slide on. The sun is so powerful, so big, so dominant, right, that we got all these instructions. You can't look at the sun without some pretty, pretty important goggles on. And so you were handed these on the way in. If you slide them on, which I'm not recommending doing, you're not going to see anything, the rest of the service, it's pitch black. So some of you want to check out and like, you know, go to sleep, whatever, slide these on. You had to slide these on to be able to look at, right, what happened for about one minute. Went from the bright, blazing sun to this scene right here. You remember that? Literally, when the moon moved in direct proportion to the sun, certain segments of our country experienced what they call a total solar eclipse, which it went from brightness of the morning sun, like today, to complete and total darkness. So I want you to think about this now. I want you to think about how in that moment, the atmospheric realities that we were experiencing changed because something moved in between that large sun and us. Now stay with me here. I want you to view these. You were handed these on the way in for a reason. I want you to place these somewhere where you're going to look at them maybe in somewhere in your home, in your car, somewhere in your office, that this represents someone is going to stand. When someone passes between us and whatever our great battle is, we have a name for that someone. His name is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and everybody's got a battle. That son is still there. But here's what we're going to look at this month. Someone passes between us and our battle. And when you get your eyes on that, it changes the atmospheric realities in which we live. Are you with me? And so we're going to look at four battle scenes in Scripture. Today, King Jehoshaphat is going to slide on his solar eclipse glasses. And the sun has been beating down on him with some battle. And someone is about to stand between him and that battle. And it changed his atmospheric realities. And we're going to look at that in Second Chronicles 20. So open up your Bible, Second Chronicles chapter 20, or pull out your notes, fire them up on the app. You can get them electronically there as well. The Desert Fathers said it this way, you will have warfare until your last breath. It just looks different in each decade. Let me say that again. You're going to have warfare. You're going to be in a battle until your last breath. So the thought that you're going to live life outside of the context of a battle is not a healthy thought. You're going to be in that until your last breath. It's going to look different from decade to decade. So those of you younger, looking to those of you who are older, you say, hey, those who are older are still battling. It's just that the nature of the battle is a little different. Those of you older looking down the younger generation, it's still a battle. The nature of the battle is different. Everybody's going through it. So the question isn't whether you're in one. The question is when we're in one, how are we going to fight? And how has the Lord instructed us to fight his way? What does God say how you fight your battles? 
And as no surprise to us, right, Isaiah 55 says, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, as high as his ways above our ways. So the way God says we had to fight these battles, it's just going to be a little different. And so here's the setting for Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles 20. He's the king now, fourth king of the southern kingdom of Judah. All right, he's 35 years old when he takes the throne. He serves in this king's role for 25 years. You may sound, you may, may, Elisha and Elijah may sound like two familiar characters in the Bible. They were prophet kind of at the, at the time of Jehoshaphat's reign. So Elisha and Elijah were helping Jehoshaphat keep the nation heading in the right direction. And so here's Jehoshaphat trying to do it the Lord's way. Now, not all the kings are. As we've, those of you who have journeyed around here, we've done a lot of study in the Old Testament through the years. And there weren't many kings who stood their ground and honored the Lord. And Jehoshaphat was one of those. He was kind of a beacon of light in the midst of a dark canvas. And Jehoshaphat, here's the scene, verse 1. The Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Munites came to make war on Jehoshaphat. That's an interesting is a common enemy brings unity. Is that the Moabites, Ammonites, and Munites. Now, the backdrop on those guys is they don't all get along. They all want to fight each other. But guess what? When they got a common enemy, the Israelites, oh, we're all in now. We're all together now. We want to all band together and take the Israelites out. And that's, that's what happens in life sometimes, right? Some of you are in the middle of some things are banding together against you and coming against you because unity comes from a common enemy. Same could hold true for us as we battle we're going to band together and unify together around a common enemy that we are fighting. In this case, there's names, Ammonite, Munite, and Moabite. And then some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom. That's Bible speak for this. Jehoshaphat, they're big, they're strong, you got no shot. That's what that means. A vast army. That's translated, they're really outnumbering you, they're much more well-armed than you, and they're approaching, they're 25 miles southeast of your location. How about this? Let's see his response now. Verse 3, alarmed. I want you to underline that word in your Bibles, alarmed. That word in Hebrew means baal. Do you know what it means? It means to tremble inwardly. That's what it means. It means to be afraid or dismayed. So there's this Baal moment in Jehoshaphat's life. Anybody experienced a Baal moment, an alarm moment? There's all kinds of ways God can send an alarm in our life. Some of you are married to a person who has raised the Baal moment, has brought an alarm to you. Your spouse brought an alarm. Your child brought an alarm. A doctor gave you a report that brought an alarm right? A coach pulled you aside and brought an alarm. A pastor or a sermon brought an alarm. There's all kinds of ways the alarm can be raised in our life. And right now for Jehoshaphat, it's like uh, the Ammonites, Moabites, and Munites are 25 miles southeast of you. They're bigger, stronger, and much more well-equipped. You got no shot, vast army. It's a ball moment. He's a Anybody been there? Some of you are walking into 2019, and that's like you are, you're in the middle of a Baal moment. The God has sounded the alarm through some sequence of events. Now, I want you to watch now. Watch Jehoshaphat's response to this. You can learn a lot about someone's relationship with God with where do they turn in a Baal moment. There's a lot of places you can turn in Baal moments. When you're terrified, when you get really bad news, you can go a lot of different directions. Watch where Jehoshaphat goes now. Verse 3, alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. That's Bible speak for praying. And he proclaimed a fast 
for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Now get this, the king who's leading the nation gets news that there's large forces coming against him 25 miles away, and the alarm is raised, and his response is to declare a nationwide fast and call a prayer meeting. How about that? Not, not, hey, let's go gather the joint chiefs of staff. Let's put together a defense strategy. Nope. Hey, let's get the military leaders together. We need to get the draft class. We need to draft in some other young men, young women into the draft circle. Nope. Hey, we need to get the right people. We need to get our armory stocked up. We need to get our chariots. We need to get our spears. We need to get our slings. We need to get our stones. Nope. Jehoshaphat says, His response to a Baal moment was, fast and pray. What does that tell you about Jehoshaphat? You know what it tells me about Jehoshaphat? He really believed that there was someone who could pass between him and his battle. He believed it. He believed God was for him and with him and able. He really believed that. He really believed God would hear his cries for help and God could and would step in and change the atmospheric realities he was living in. He really believed that. And because he believed that, he fasted and he prayed and he called the nation to do the same. He called the whole country to this. Can you picture what that dialogue must have been like with his leadership cabinet? I mean, they, hey, King, do you, do you think... Do you think maybe we should like get the military guys like cycled up over here? We need to fast and we need to pray. We need to get on our face before God. That was his initial response to an alarm. I'm really challenged by that. I think of all the times I've reached out or tried to fix things in my own wisdom and strength when really what I needed to do was fall on my face before God and say, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. That's Jehoshaphat's prayer. We'll get to that in a few minutes here. Look what happened. Because I put in my notes, this is a good indicator for me, prayerlessness is self-reliance. Like the stuff I'm not praying about is the stuff I'm fairly confident I've got under control and I'm not really praying about it. So a big dashboard indicator for me is, which is why the Bible says you need to be praying about everything because we're dependent upon God for everything. When you live in this atmosphere of prayer, this lifestyle of prayer and dependence on God. But when I'm not praying, it's really self-reliance. Prayerlessness is self-reliance. And the Israelite people had struggled with prayerlessness. They had all kinds of battles they were in. And often they would not seek the Lord. They wouldn't turn to him. They wouldn't pray. They wouldn't fast. They wouldn't worship. They wouldn't call out to him. In this case, Jehoshaphat, he's turning them to a new direction. And now from verse 6 through verse 12, we get a window a little summary into his prayer that he led the nation in. And three, kind of three phrases from this prayer give us three battle tactics in. Like a win- I want you to see these are like three phrases that show you the eclipse experience that he went through. And the first one comes from verse six. Here's the opening line of his prayer. Oh God, God of our fathers, are you not, underline that in your Bibles, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. So the first phrase is, are you not? Do you see that? Are you not? 
And it's based on the character of God. You see, what's shifting the atmospheric realities for Jehoshaphat is he's anchored in the character of the God to whom he prays. When we pray, church, do we know who we're talking to when we pray? You can learn a lot about someone's understanding of God by simply listening to them pray. Do we know who we're speaking with when we pray? Students, this is why it's so important at a young age that you're grounded in the character of God because as you talk with him, who you speak with, your understanding of who he is greatly affects how you pray and what you pray about and do you believe. And it doesn't change as we get older, right? There's got to be this grounding in the care. Like Jehoshaphat knew who he was talking to. He knew the God of heaven and earth was on his side. He knew the Alpha and the Omega, the Ancient of Days, the Lamb who was slain. He knew this God was on his side. He knew him personally. And so when he prayed, he said, are you not this God, who Isaiah 40, listen to what I, I put in a few in your notes just to be reminded of the are you not, the character of the God to whom we pray and worship and gather in this morning. Isaiah 40 says, do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. Hear that, church, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. So listen, when your news feed scrolls with the latest human being in some part of our world puffing their chest out and flexing and pounding themselves and say, hey, look at me, look how big, look how strong, look how powerful I am. Here's what Jehoshaphat knows. Hey, he's, someone's coming between, right? He's got the eclipse glasses on. Here, that's like a grasshopper to the Lord. You just need to think grasshopper. That's a grasshopper. Because the God that we pray to, are you not the God who sits enthroned over the circle of the earth? Church, yes, that's who we pray to. He sits enthroned over whatever this year is encountering for you. And then on top of that, listen to what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah 33, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. That's the God to whom we pray. Or how about Psalm 125? This is an amazing image. As the mountains surround Jerusalem. When I was in the Holy Land in 2017, you stood in Jerusalem. And the mountains just surround the city. That's the image the psalmist had. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, look what the psalmist says. So the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. Do you see that? So he had this vision of God. He said, are you not the God who sits enthroned above the circle of the earth? Are you not the God that if, say, call out to me and I'll show you great and unsearchable things you do not know? Are you not the God that as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so you surround us, your people? Are you not that God? Church, do you see why it's so important to be grounded in the character of God? This is why as we enter a new year, we got to have a plan for how we're going to get deeper into God's character this year. What's your plan in 2019 to be grounded in the God-breathed book? Because this is primarily the way you get to know God's character right here, right? Genesis to Revelation, 66 books, 1,500 years, 40 different authors, three countries, three languages. Hey, this is it right here. This is how you're going to get to know the character of God. So we're not going to drift into that. 
That's why as a church, right, this is why we do Alpha class coming up at the end of the month. I'd love to see all of you sign up for 10 weeks on Wednesday night with Alpha. Why? Because we're going to ground ourselves in the character of God. This is why we do EHS and EHR in our discipleship classes. Why? Grounded in the character of God. This is why life groups and men's groups and women's groups are so important. Why? Because we're going to get together and get in God's word and get to know this God that we're worshiping and praying and trusting and obeying. This is why our children's ministry and student ministry, it's so important. Parents, this is why prioritizing gathering on Sunday mornings all through your year. I think this is the most significant decision you can make in parenting, is to prioritize the spiritual and character development. Mom and dad, do you hear that's more important than any other development you're going to give your kids? Give them a vision of God, of who he is and how he works. That's way more important than all the others. The others are important, just not as important as that. But as parents, we got to hold the fort on that. Culture isn't going to hold the fort on that. Culture wants to throw everything around when the body of Christ gathers, right? And it's going to try to crowd it out. Not us. Are you not the God who sits enthroned over the circle of the earth? It's our role as parents to pass that on to the next generation. And that's why we do what we do around. That's why it matters so much to us around here. Because the bigger this God gets in our eyes, do you see this? The bigger this God gets in our eyes, the more the atmospheric reality shifts. Do you see that? You've got to get a vision for the character of the God that we worship and serve. And when you do some things, begin to shift. Because there is someone who's going to stand between you and your battle. Because no matter how big that battle, it is not bigger than Jesus. And Jehoshaphat, you've got a lot of ites coming against him. Said, hey, look what he builds on now. Verse 7 continues his prayer. Oh, our God, did you not? So from Are you not character of God to did you not history with God? Drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. Right? Are you not the God who sits enthroned over the circle of the earth? Did you not come through before? It's history with God. Do you know every single one of us has a history with God? Even those of you who are are newer to a relationship with Jesus, you've got a history with God. There's a reason you're here. You've got to walk with God. Got some history with him. We have a shared history together. The, what, what is Joseph at? He's grounding him in. Hey, do you not remember when God brought us up out of Egypt? Remember Pharaoh? Remember 400 years? Remember the Red Sea? Remember the Passover? Remember the wilderness? Remember the water from the rock? Remember the manna from heaven? Do you remember? He's reminding the people. God has come through for us before. Do you remember a couple months ago, church? Do you remember this? Do you remember this a couple months ago? Those of you who are here, what did we do a couple months ago? We took some time in the service, and we all wrote different things that we sensed God saying, hey, trust me with this. We wrote them on an index card. We placed an envelope. We sealed the envelope. We either pinned it or laid it here at the foot of the cross. Here's my question two months later. Has the Lord held up his end of the deal? Nobody's opened these cards. They're all here. Whatever you submitted, they're here. A couple months later, has he been faithful? Maybe you say, no. Maybe, maybe you're like, oh, but, but Pastor, you don't understand. The thing I wrote, it, it went 180 degrees from the direction I thought it was going to go. I didn't say did things happen exactly as you wanted them to happen or thought they were going to happen. Sometimes disappointment with God is a part of this. But has he not been faithful to show you, I'll be with you. I will help you. I will guide you. 
Some of you have gone through some things since you walked up to this cross. You've gone through some things you never imagined you'd have to walk through. My question to you is, has the Lord not demonstrated his character to you and his history with you? And church, when we fight our battles this year, this is exactly what we have to stay anchored in. So in just a few minutes, those of you who didn't get to participate, or maybe some of you coming into 2019, you go, oh, I need to do that again, Pastor. I need to do that again. <laughs> and if, well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to take some time at the end. We'll have some response time. You can come up and add some more cards to it, or, or maybe you just want to reminisce again about what you put on that card. And remember, God has been faithful, and he will come through. Are you not the God who sits enthroned above the circle of the earth? Yes and amen you are. Did you not come through before? Yes, you have. Yes and amen that you have. History with God. Do you see that? One of the greatest things I love around here with our annual prayer week initiative is when you go up to the prayer room, for those of you who've never been to the prayer room, the next time you go to the prayer room, I want you to open up, I want you to open up the journals. Do you know that's our shared history with God together corporately? I think they, the first journal I think is 2008, maybe 07, but I think 08. Just take some time and flip through the journals. And look at the prayers and reflect on the stories and remember the history. And look at how God has said, right, from 08 to 09 to 10 to 11 to 12. And here we stand in 2019. Has not, God said, did you not, Lord? Did you not hear our cries for help before? Did you not come through before? Yes and amen. You see what Jehoshaphat's doing? He's grounded in the character of God. He's remembering his history with God. And he's reminding the people of this. Now stay with me. From the track record of his trustworthiness, look where he builds now. Verse 12. Our God. Oh, our God, he continues to pray. Third phrase. Will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. Notice he has clarity on what's coming against him. You know, some of the work we're going to do today is we've got to name our battles. He had a name for his. Munites, Ammonites, Moabites. Vast army. We got to name our battles, most likely plural. We got to name them. We got to be clear about them. We can't put our head in the sand. We can't deny them. We got to look them in the eye. There's a vast army coming against me, and here's this declaration Are you not the God who sits enthroned above the circle of the earth? Did you not come through before, and will you not come through again? Do you see that? Something is passing through, huh? He's got, hey, something's passing by for Jehoshaphat. Huh. Someone is passing by. And it's changing his atmospheric realities. Will you not come through again? Look what he says now. This vast army is coming to attack us. Notice, his, I love what he says in verse 12. We do not know what to do. Boy, lot, we don't have any problem praying that phrase. How many times have I prayed that? I was praying that this week on some things. I don't know what to do, Lord. Anybody done there? Anybody been there? I don't know what to do, Lord. We don't know what to do, Lord. That's good. It's good, honest to be that way. You can't stop there. The sentence has a comma and it keeps going. Follow Joseph out. I don't know what to do, Lord, but what does he say in verse second half, verse 12? But my eyes are upon you right there. And that's how we're going to fight our battles. So are you not the God who sits enthroned above the circle of the earth? Did you not come through before? And are you not going to come through again? Do you see how the character with God and history with God fuels like these mountain-moving, wall-collapsing, army-defeating expectations in God? Do you see how it fuels that? He comes with great expectation. Like if no one else in the nation believes this, here's what we know. Jehoshaphat believes God is going to come through. 
Man, I want some of that, right? Believe no matter how big that battle, it is not bigger than the God that's going to stand between him and that battle. And it changed his atmospheric reality. So instead of calling the army and calling the, the armory up and calling more soldiers in, he calls a prayer meeting and a fast because he believed it with all of his heart. And that's why as a church, we start out every year, one full week in January, we shut down as much as we can shut down around here, and we call it prayer week. Why do we do prayer week? This church is why we do prayer week, because this is how we fight our battles. We get together, we pray individually. We're gonna, the sign-ups are posted online. Now, you can get, if you've never done it before, join us this year for prayer week. Spend an hour in the prayer room. We're going to send some videos about how to get the prayer rooms up on the third floor over here. If you've never been to the prayer room, make that a goal. Take a step. Go to the prayer room for an hour. What's the worst that can happen? Not one person in the last 15 years we've been doing the prayer room experience has said to me, well, that was a terrible decision I made. I wish I wouldn't have done that, Pastor. No one's ever said that to me. Here's what I've heard hundreds of times, and I'm not exaggerating. Hundreds of times people have said to me, one hour was not enough. I wish I'd have spent more time. So I want to challenge you, right? January 2027, we're going to do prayer week. Now, I want you to be praying and preparing yourself for it. It's going to be an amazing seven-day run for us as a body. How? Because we're going to do what Jehoshaphat's doing right here. We're going to call ourselves together to get on our face before God. We're going to slide on our solar eclipse glasses. And no matter how big that battle is we're staring at in 2019, we're going to see someone stands between us and that battle. That's why we're going to gather for prayer gatherings in the evenings on Sunday, Tuesday, and Friday. That's why we're going to do the prayer room experience. That's why we're going to be pushing out, encouraging you to take and prioritize prayer. Why? Why all that? Because are you not the God who sits enthroned above the heaven? Yes. Did you not come through before? Yes. And will you not come through again? Yes. Yes and amen. Do you know a group of people who really believe that? Or a group of people who do a thing like, like prayer week? The only explanation for why a church does prayer week is because we really, really believe we're dependent and reliant upon God for everything. We really believe that. So we're going to be a praying people. We're going to worship and pray and trust and obey right in the face of our battles. That's what we're going to do, church. By the way, just to let you know, the whole month, if you want to know the landing point for every single message this month, here's where we're going to land. We're going to, we're going to look at different stories. We're going to harvest out some different, here's where we're going to land. No matter how big your battle, it is not bigger than Jesus. And therefore, our response, no matter how big that battle, no matter how uncertain that future, no matter how overwhelming those circumstances, here's what we're going to do. We're going to commit to worship and pray and trust and obey right in the face of that battle. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. That's the posture of a group of people who follow Jesus. That's our posture of how we live when we follow Jesus in a world that is set up to provide battle after battle. And so we're going to start it today. So worship team is going to come up. I'm going to pull us together here because I want to show you how the story ended as the worship team comes up. Well, verse 15, 2 Chronicles 20, the Lord steps in now. So what does Jehoshaphat do? Jehoshaphat gets, hey, he gets some bad news, right? Vast armies coming, Munites, Ammonites, Moabites. They're going to take you out, Jehoshaphat. He calls a nationwide fast and a prayer meeting. Stands up and he leads the nation in prayer. 
The scripture says that mom, dad, and kids stood at attention to the Lord. How about that? That's a great picture for parenting and next generation stuff. How about that? The whole nation, mom, dad, kids, stood at attention in the presence of the Lord as he led through this prayer. They stood there. And as they're waiting to see what God does, here's what God did. Look at verse 15. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Verse 17. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Are you kidding me? How about that? So the Lord says, hey, do you see there's, there's two parts? There's our part and then there's God's part. What's our part in that equation? Hey, take up your position. Stand firm. Worship, pray, trust, obey. Right in the face of that mouth. Stand firm right there. Take up your position. And then God's part. You're going to see the deliverance of the Lord. <laughs> and you know what Jehoshaphat did right there? I didn't have enough, I didn't have enough time to get into all of it, but the, you can read the rest of 2 Chronicles 20. Here, here's what he did. He sent the worship pastors out to the front line. Out to the front lines. You've got a picture, okay? Those of you who maybe served in the military, you've been on the front lines in some settings. Picture you out there, right? On the front line where the Munites, Ammonites, and Moabites are about to come into your territory. You're there, you're set up, you're ready to go into battle. And these chariots roll up with worship pastors in them. And trumpets, harpists, choir. How about that? They roll out, hey, 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 military guy, what, what are you guys doing out here? Dangerous out here. Hey, 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 put your weapons down. The king has sent us. Jehoshaphat has sent us. You need to step back. There's a new front line in town. The new front line is this. We're going to worship. Ha, how about the generals in that response? What are you talking about? Those guys are going to destroy. We're going to worship. We're going to pray. We're going to trust. We're going to obey. Stand still and see the deliverance the Lord is going to bring you. Sit down, generals. The Lord Almighty is about to pass by. Do you see that? That's amazing. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. They struck up the band. They got the worship team together. They filled up the choir. They got their trumpets. They got their harps. They started blasting. They had this song they were singing, right? Give thanks to the Lord, his love endures forever out of the Psalms. They were singing, give thanks to the Lord, his love endures forever. And I'm sure the army generals are like buried down in their bunkers probably. But the choir and the worship team and the worship leaders and the pastors and the priests are standing up with arms extended. Give thanks to the Lord, his love endures forever. Someone is passing by. There's someone who stands between me and my battle. No matter how big your battle, it is not bigger than Jesus. If we really believe that, church, we will follow suit. So stand with me. The team's going to lead us in a, a song that kind of think, I want you to think of this as kind of the anthem for the month, anthem for the series, perhaps the anthem for the year for us, who knows, but... I want you to kind of get this deep down in your bones for an anthem for how we're going to fight together.